On tonight's episode, Samba no Bueno as Brazil bow out, history making Morocco roar as the continent awaits a tryst with destiny. Argentina win a little battle with the Dutch as the English dream fades in the distance like Kane's pen. This is the Talkie Talkie Podcast. Welcome back listeners and we have a lot to talk about Samba Flair surprisingly shockingly gone so are the Portuguese CR7 the story has ended at the world stage has it we have to wait and find out Croatia the team that never tires they just don't tire i mean at the last world cup we said modric is tired it's been four and a half years we're still waiting for that day to arrive Argentina entered into a scrap fest with the dutch and got through it was a throwback to old times and we also had uh, england versus france the old enemies fighting against each other and that penalty miss there's a lot to unpack here so let's get started we have on the panel today radha ji rk and ashwin so to start off with what are the talky points radha ji how have you been doing you had a terrible day with brazil going out your prediction as well as your favorites for the tournament yeah not a great uh, week to see brazil drop out of the world cup i think especially to a team which uh, played the way played the way that i really don't like international teams to play um, but something at least put a smile on my face actually there were a lot of things i put a smile on my face this week but the one that uh, stands out for me has to be i think before we started this when we did the preview i had two guys that i was looking out for the most as backup strikers in this uh, in this world cup one of them has since become the main striker for france but the second guy weghorst i don't think we've seen a lot of him uh not too much from him this world cup but what a superb second goal from netherland that was that that that's a moment that gets you out of your seat run around the house type of thing it was just incredible uh, to do that in the 110th minute of a game facing knockout in a world cup i can't even begin to fathom how they they went through that play and drew it up and executed it at that time and and the way that vegas just held off that defender and and finished it just incredible stuff so yeah that put a smile on my face for sure yeah absolutely it was such a stand out moment you could just look at it open mouth wondering what had just happened to take that risk at that point of the contest amazing rk what's it going to be for you how are you feeling you know uh, yesterday when i was uh, thinking about what would be my talking moment and this was even before the second round of matches had happened i was already torn between you know three or four moments in the first two games but i will go for uh, uh, the messi no look assist to molina i think that's the single best individual piece of uh, passing that we have seen in this tournament where he cut through two or three players uh, and like he slid the ball through ake's feet he did like although he was aware definitely of molina's position the genius in him was that he wasn't even watching uh, when he gave that pass and molina had a great first touch and then finished so i i would go for that moment yeah and uh, listeners would remember that uh, radha talked about this tactical cam on geo cinema that they could use to take a look at the game and if you if you looked at this pass through that tactical cam vision it's it's amazing how he threads it through i mean he just faints a bit and that faint mini, millisecond of that faint probably gives him that look where he just goes boom and uh, perfectly passed that's what you call threading a needle right and finally we have uh, ashwin who is back from his trip to qatar as he mentioned in his voice note and how has it been how has been your journey and um, unfortunately for you portugal are out now yeah unfortunate that portugal are out but the the great thing about uh, having a world cup is that you don't necessarily need to have loyalty so uh, the second team that i was kind of supporting was england who we were out as well uh, but yeah uh qatar was amazing uh it's 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 a it's a different feeling meeting fans from across the world uh, i think i've been sharing a few a uh, few of the videos from qatar and the argentine mexican and japanese fan moroccan fans for that matter have been absolutely brilliant so it was an amazing experience and uh, i i hope i uh, get to go to another world cup uh, uh, again uh my talkie moment of the week swag uh, would be 
the ghost of the penalties returning for England and Harry Kane and his miss. Uh, it's something that happened with his manager as well, if you remember back in, uh, I think it was the 96 Euros, if I'm not wrong, when he when Gareth Southgate missed missed, missed a penalty. Um, I think that that was the moment where England were on top and they, they probably deserved that equaliser uh, and to miss that penalty at that stage I can only feel for uh, for Harry Kane I don't even know what he's going through right now um, so I think I think that would be my talking moment of the week yeah and just a slight deviation from the usual English history with penalties that this wasn't in a shootout this was during normal time but uh, unfortunately for Harry Kane and standing in front of him was Hugo Lloris so probably some something played on his mind because if there is one guy who knows where Harry Kane places his penalties, it's, it's Hugo Lloris, right? They've been together at the club for a long, long time now. Right, for me, I think it will have to be the history-making Atlas Lions who've become the first African team to get through to a semi-final of the World Cup. I mean, Pele talked about having a African winner by 2000. That hasn't happened, but in 2022, at least, we finally have an African semi-finalist and... As I mentioned in the last episode, I was there in Spain and they they took over the city square. It was amazing to see. And I'm just imagining how it would have been now after winning the quarterfinal as well. I mean, absolutely over the moon, um, overjoyed. I wonder what up things of Hakim Ziyech now, but uh, we'll, we'll come to that game in more detail later on. Let's start off with uh, the Croatia-Brazil game, the... Arguably one of the biggest shocks because Brazil were hands down considered to be the favourites for the title. And uh, as Radha said, Croatia frustrated them quite a lot playing a negative dar style of football. But uh, when they needed to switch it on after Neymar's goal, they did it. And the Croatian keeper, he's he's overtaken Chesney for the goalkeeper of the tournament, right? Yeah, so uh, Radha, you know, talked about how a bit about the Croatian tactics, but for me, looking back at the match, uh, I think Croatia kind of played it the way that they wanted to. Uh, the onus was always going to be on Brazil to, you know, push the pace, and I feel for a large part of the game, Brazil never did that. The uh, I, it, it was almost like they were a bit too scared. Uh, a bit too risk-averse of leaving space in behind. So, they were not really pressuring the Croatian midfield through the game. They allowed the Croatian midfield to dictate the tempo. I would have wanted them to, you know, push up a bit higher considering how good they are defensively. They could have pushed higher and made Croatia more uncomfortable. Played with a higher tempo. Uh, they started doing that a bit in the second half and I still think they created enough chances. They had almost 1.8 XG in normal time to... You know, to uh, like to win the match. Uh, extra time again, they played well. Great goal from Neymar, which I think we will be talking about a bit more. Uh, and only then did Croatia really show the urgency. So, I mean, it it was a bit of a sore gripe for me as well that Croatia waited till the 106th minute to finally start. You know, uh, you know, trying to score a goal. But having said that, uh, before the match, if you asked me, the onus was always going to be on Brazil, and for me, Brazil. You know, kind of dug their own grave by not being adventurous enough in that match. Jose Mourinho talks about this a lot, right? Like having a having a heritage. Uh, I think this Croatia team is used to uh, being in the uh, you know the latter stages of the cup. They know how to how to progress, and uh, uh, they they were kind of uh, dictating the play in the sense that they were in control of the game. I felt that Brazil uh, they were probably giving Brazil too much uh, of respect, uh, almost. Um, uh, I think what was missing was the killer punch because they were controlling the mid. They they, they obviously have an amazing mid, uh, midfield in um, uh, Luka Modric and Kovacic even. So, I mean, that was something that, you know, is not very surprising. What was surprising was that Brazil was not able to take the impetus because Croatia was there for the taking. They, I think, the previous game they all it also went into penalties, right? So obviously Croatia were a bit more tired than uh, than Brazil, and Brazil have all these player players. And I think until the Neymar goal, I I would I did not really think that you know Brazil will get a second or a third even. Uh, so I think it it is something if if you look back 
uh, into the game. I think Brazil will probably think, uh, okay, Croatia were there for the taking, but we did not take our chances. Uh, Brazil had 11 shots on target, 21 shots in total against nine from Croatia and only one shot on target for them. So it just goes to show, you know, uh, that that it's a big, big chance that they missed. I mean, when it comes to penalties, anything can happen and just Croatia just took their chance. Yeah, the really shocking and frustrating thing for me is that uh, all the things that we loved and I was gushing about them in the round of 16, all of the enthusiasm, the pace, the flair, all of that just from minute one was just not not there to be seen at all. So it was, the Croatian midfield took advantage of that. I think Modric and Kovacic, they kind of ran the game. They got the pace to the, the kind of game that they would want to play. And Brazil were uh, just didn't look like themselves at all. And I have to address the elephant in the room. Neymar, what an incredible goal he scored. One of the best goals you will see in this World Cup. The moment was incredible where the he kept his calm and he was so composed as he rounded the keeper and scored a goal. The commentators were on fire. People were screaming. But the main point was that Neymar was nowhere to be seen all through the game. He was walking. He was playing the game while walking. So clearly he is not. We we discussed in the previous episode that whether he's still carrying that knock and and the rest of the team. I think Vinicius and Rafinha as well. The zip that they had in the previous round was just nowhere to be seen. So my my mind points to it being something physical perhaps and also Croatia kind of bringing the game down to the pace that they wanted. So that lack of energy really cost them. And Neymar, uh, I think, will walk back thinking I've not done enough. Um, today as from for what the team needed and i think brazil have gone out being the best defensive team in the world cup i think uh, it was an odd chance which i can't even explain how croatia ended up scoring but i think they've done a really good job at keeping teams out just one day where the attack was not in uh, in its form and that's all it takes in this kind of at this kind of level just one day one off game for your attackers and it's over Neymar's lack of presence, if I can say so, in, in, in the game quite hurt them quite a bit and probably that percolated to the rest of the team as well. He is their talisman after all. But uh, credit where it's due, uh, Croatia, as you said, they, they brought the game down to the pace that they wanted to. It was up to Brazil to take the initiative and, and do that. And I, I wouldn't say that they were physically quite under the pump. The third group game, they had virtually a fresh 11. Against Korea, it, it seemed to be more like a training game. They, they were so much in control that they could break out into the samba dances. And probably the midfield battle decided quite a lot of it. But also, we have to give a shout out to Livakovic, right? He made so many saves during the game. It wasn't as if um, Brazil didn't get into the box. They got into the box and regularly they were buffed by him. He continuously kept them out of it. Also made those saves uh, in the shootout. The second surprising thing about Brazil was uh, that once they finally got the lead, they did not, you know, uh, stay high enough up the pitch even to the extent that they were doing before. They kind of fell back, invited pressure. So, that, you know, two big blunders. One is not taking control of the match, uh, being more aggressive straight away and then after scoring the goal, they should have controlled the game, kept the ball better, but they didn't do that as well. Uh, So, although the balance of play, Brazil were better... You know, you cannot kind of, at the end of the day, you cannot say that they deserved it. And referring to what Radha was talking about, right, that how, like the body language and the physicality of Brazil, I don't remember which manager said it in club football, but, you know, I I find it very meaningful. You need to, you know, win the right to show your skill in a football match. You need to show your aggression and your physicality first, whatever team you are, right? However talented you may be, you need to win the right to show your football and you know for me Brazil didn't do it but uh, a shout out to especially Luka Modric in that midfield I mean they were at times almost you know it was it was impossible to feel that they would be giving the ball away they were so good at times keeping the ball in midfield so have to give credit where it's due as well quick shout out before we probably move on uh, Richarlison I had a lot of doubts about him all like when we when the squad was announced I think he ended the tournament being Brazil's most consistent player. So, um, and he really uh, brought the rest of the team into the game with his his energy and his uh, uh, tackling and winning the ball back was actually critical to them all through this cup. Uh, Casemiro is another one. I think he really showed his level uh, during this World Cup. Uh, um, outstanding, consistent, 
a real bite in his tackle and won the ball back before danger developed so many times during this world cup so i think these two will go back to the premier league having uh, with with their head held high and perhaps for the likes of neymar uh, this might be the start of the end of the road for him just one final question on this game for you guys uh, jesus was obviously missing and martinelli didn't come on do we think that um, the brazilian tactics also left a little bit uh, to to ponder about considering they had more attacking options to bring on but they didn't focus on them you can always make that argument considering how wide and deep their squad is um, for example i was of the opinion that uh, anthony had had not had a great world cup and was not going to be adding much uh, he came on and he started off really poorly but then immediately after that he picked up and he was the only driving force that brazil had so he was only one taking people on and and getting the ball up field so there is an argument to be made when they have so many attackers they made four attacking substitutions right so i guess when you have five on the bench one will always sit out but uh, but yeah it it's something that i wish we could have seen more of uh, martinelli in this tournament i think he's Uh, displayed what he can do at the highest level now but uh, brazil have so many great players that i can't really read that as a as a massive flaw tactically speaking however i was you know shouting out for martinelli to come on once brazil had scored i i i agree with swag that they you know they got their tactics they set up wrong in the second half of additional time and definitely martinelli would have added something which they otherwise didn't have in that match which was direct you know dribbling and pace uh, i i i also agree that they completely missed the trick in that last 15 minutes yeah but then it comes down to rk it comes down to taking neymar off right and and i was in fact i was calling for that all through uh, probably the later half of the ma- match in regular time and even in extra time i was calling for it for neymar to be taken off uh, because he was just slowing everything down he was walking it was at a snail pace everything was happening but then he goes and does that right he does that he scores that goal so i guess that it comes down to that bringing martinelli would have had because all the other three were substituted in the second half so um, I, it it comes down to taking neymar off and maybe nobody wanted to do that considering what he had done in the game that would have been the right decision to make right so moving on uh, to the other game the, that day which was again a penalty shootout argentina beating uh, the netherlands and uh, radha i'm going to come to you for this one to start off with uh, because this was your moment of uh, the quarter finals and and what amazing metallic orbs as they say balls of steel from woot weghorst in the in the last minute uh, not just uh, the second goal but also to come on and make a difference to get the opener as well so before i move to weghorst and netherlands i have to just i think uh, rk called it out in his uh, uh, his moment of the week as well i think now two consecutive matches we have seen the goat at his best uh, he's he's throwing back to his prime i think last game he had those mazy dribbles all the way through the midfield and into the box and today we saw the the brilliance of vision that is leo messi uh, i think that was an incredible uh, goal and i think messi is slowly reaching the highest possible level that he can be at for this world cup um that said i'm getting a little uh, annoyed and irritated with um, argentina's general petulance and uh, the whole atletico-ness of them uh, i'm not saying that netherlands were uh, were the best team in terms of behavior or uh, or anything like that in fact i've been irritated with their on field play also all through the tournament netherlands but argentina are now becoming really annoying i think uh, while while they had the better of the game and perhaps uh, deserved to win this in on overall i was i found myself supporting netherlands by the end of it and then when i saw that moment from let's not forget the header by the way wout vegas header is one of the best headers you'll see in this world cup he had to generate all the pace himself and change the direction of the ball and then that second goal i think it's one of my favorite goals in world cup history i don't think just the the sheer nature of what just happened and the time at which it's happened i don't think this gets topped yeah i agree with most of the points i think uh, it was uh, it was it was an incredible game to watch uh, what i didn't like about the game was the referee like the referee was stopping the game at every every juncture it it, it, it was so it was annoying to watch after some point of time because like there were some really good plays that were happening he was not giving advantages even uh, and like maybe we could have had even more goals had the referee not blown the whistle so much uh, speaking of leo messi this is something that he has been doing for the past 4 or 5 years bar the one the first year at paris saint germain where he kind of struggled 
even at the latter stages uh, in 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 Barcelona, uh, he was playing much of the Javi Hernandez kind of role, where he was more of a playmaker rather than you know uh, the actual uh, the actual uh, winger or the striker that he was in the early stages of his career. Um, uh, the the Vegas goal, the 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 free kick. Uh, uh, it is uh, my. I wanted to bring in my weekly plugin of Bundesliga. He has actually done that, playing for Wolfsburg as well. But of course, doing it at the World Cup at that <laughs> that that point in time uh, in such a high-profile game is obviously uh, is obviously a much different affair. Um, you know, when it came down to penalties, I think I was I I pinged in the group as well that with Emmy Martinez and the shithousery that he does during penalties, he almost plays into the minds of the penalty taker. He did that with Bruno Fernandes as well in the game against Aston Villa, if you remember. So, I was kind of favouring favoring, favoring uh, uh, Argentina when it came down to penalties. I just wanted to bring in a bit of tactical uh, perspective into this match and how that can affect Argentina as well going forward. I think tactics-wise... Uh, Scaloni got it right in comparison to LVG. We always knew that LVG was going to go in with a 3-5-2 kind of a formation and the change that LVG made was that he put Gakpo as a number 10 similar to how he had done in the first match. So, theoretically on paper, they went in with a more attacking lineup. Scaloni knew that the advantage that Netherlands offer and the, you know, uh, the penetration that they seek to get is largely through their wingbacks, uh, especially Dumfries pushing upfield and he also kind of cancelled out their formation, uh, uh, you know, by going for a 3-5-2. So, the early uh, tactics, uh, you know, Argentina won that and they had a largely controlled display with and without the ball. They were not really creating too many chances, but they were clinical when they got it. However, the thing that Scaloni has to watch out for and what he has done wrong a few times this tournament already is that once Argentina go up 2-0, he, he makes a defensive change too early. And they kind of start conceding space and impetus uh, of the ball. And they invite pressure. That happened against Australia. That happened against Netherlands as well. If they want to win the tournament, he needs to be, you know, he, he needs to throw caution to the wind uh, like a bit more often. I think they are uh, going too cautious too early. With respect to the needle uh, that, uh, you know, this match had, uh, while we can always criticize the two teams, but I mean... Would we have it any other way? I mean, you know, this match will be remembered for its needle years down the line. And one thing, you know, in, in advance of the match that I was always thinking about was how LVG has always kind of undermined South American players. He's not been really able to work with them, understand their individuality. And probably that was one of the things which Argentina took into that match, maybe as a kind of siege mentality, I don't know. But when Messi scored that penalty in the normal time, he you know, did the Riquelme celebration in front of LVG. So, uh, probably that was a needle which was there. Martinez, you know, taking decisive control of the match was kind of apt, I think. Uh, I, I never liked him and it's it's very difficult to like him as a person, but what a personality and what a character. Just a question I wanted to throw out to you guys. We've we talked about this before the World Cup started, that the Dutch keepers, they didn't have too much experience amongst themselves. I mean, no caps within the three of them. Did that play a significant role uh, in in the shootout, or was that not that big a factor? I think it's harsh to um, to to put that as a potential reason in a shootout. The best goalkeeper in the world could also come undone in a shootout. It's not something that um, you can make any. But if even if, for example, it was let's say, I don't know, Shejni, who we've all been saying is one of the top keepers in this World Cup, right? Even him against Emi Martinez, uh, it's, a, it's, a t- it's a tough shout. So, Emi Martinez is a is a real legend in this kind of thing and he's done it in the past and uh, the, the whole aspect of mind games is something that he does better than anybody else. And let's not just take away the sheer skill he showed in saving the first two penalties. They were outstanding penalties. Like Van Dyke's penalty was right in the corner. The other guy's, uh, Bergweiss's penalty was also, while not in the corner, it was a thumper of a shot. Uh, just re- really good saves and that can happen to uh, to anybody on that day. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the keeper's um, inexperience caused their wins. But Emi Martinez's experience definitely helped Argentina. I'd put it that way. Yeah, Radha, it's unfair to compare, you know, any keeper uh, favorably with Martinez. I think Martinez is a champion personality and especially in, uh, you know, in this kind of a situation as penalty kicks. However, Swag, I think the main reason why Netherlands lost is not because of the keeper in the penalty shootout, but 
having done so well playing so direct football uh, you know uh, uh, like bringing on two tall strikers making it two all i think the reason netherlands lost finally was because they completely threw away the initiative after coming back you know i i find it a bit weird that after being on top you throw away the initiative completely and argentina kind of dominated the extra time again for me that was the main reason why netherlands uh, lost because they always betted on penalties and if you are going to bet on penalties with martinez on the other side best of luck to you moving on from one goat contender to another goat contender is it the end of the road for cristiano ronaldo with portugal but that is not the story we want to talk about right it's it has to be morocco morocco becoming the first african team as i said uh, to reach the semi finals and it was a deserved win it, you won't say that they didn't deserve to go through we've talked about how croatia were a bit negative and morocco also defensively very sound whenever they broke for their attacks it was it was a much better attack than what croatia were throwing forward right it didn't seem like it was just uh, trying to move the ball from their uh, half to the other half it it was it was pinpointed attacks and uh, ironically enough a leap of faith by a moroccan player to to score the goal uh, while ronaldo sat at the bench and looked how high one can jump and how significant that jump can be yeah swag i think all of us have grown up uh, with one image etched in all of our minds of peak physical Uh, like a physical specimen at his peak and that's ronaldo's uh, leaping header against michael essien i think we've all got that image in our mind of how uh, how incredible of an athlete ronaldo is and it's uh, it's maybe weird and fitting in a certain way that uh, uh, we had this happen against ronaldo's team at the largest stage um, i mean it was there was a goalkeeper at full tilt with his hands up there was a defender falling all over the place trying to stop this guy and he was just like he was miles ahead of everyone else he was he was almost in orbit at that moment of time and then to to leap like that and score a goal in the world cup it was quite an incredible goal and that image will be on in my mind uh, for a really long time so that was a great goal and just a shout out to bono i mean he's becoming a little bit of a hero himself he had uh, joao felix had a couple of great chances against him especially the second one where uh, ronaldo teed him off for a left foot shot what an incredible save i think bono's becoming one of those world cup superheroes as well yeah diego costa didn't cover himself in glory at all on that uh, goal though uh, you know pre, uh, like pre tournament and the previous summer he was one of the names being linked to united now having watched him this tournament i have not been really convinced by a lot of the actions that he's done whether it's coming out to claim crosses or his uh, you know short stopping as well so uh, so diego costa i think he should have come out and claimed that ball or at least pushed that uh, you know ball away uh, so but but you know with respect to portugal i think i was commenting in the last match of how unusual their midfield tactics seem to be and how it is something that can only for me work in international football uh, like this match with a highly organized opposition that midfield uh, you know chemistry seemed to come apart because i can't really imagine how you can have so many people trying to come central and it keeps working for you so uh, that was something which portugal were always lacking in terms of width uh, and urgency they brought on leao a bit too late for me and morocco how organized are those guys like uh, in the first sh- in the first half their shape was a bit like how we have seen saudi where they ha- have a higher line uh, if you see they don't press the last line of the portuguese defenders but they also have a middle uh, you know line uh, like they don't defend too deep but always in the second half uh, it's a bit concerning that morocco seem to go a bit too deep and invite pressure that is something that probably they will have to improve if they want to beat france having uh, seen brazil go out i'm firmly on the side of uh, morocco for the next next two games i'm go morocco african champions here we come but one among us had a very uh, had a different color jersey on all through this tournament ashwin what are your thoughts on how this has gone for portugal and ronaldo and all the other things that come with this discussion i mean firstly credit where uh, cre- credit goes to morocco for the way they played the defensive organization and uh, that uh, that they have and that they displayed is is the reason that they are here in the semis uh, it's it's i think it's a repeat performance of uh, of the spain game as well uh, uh, they uh, i mean 
they they're so organized and they know they have a proper game plan and they stick to it now talking about uh talking about portugal in general uh, i think uh, santos did the right thing by uh, you know uh, uh, keeping faith with gonzalo ramos uh, he did not have a particularly good game uh, even bruno fernandes he, he he missed i think he hit the crossbar if i'm not wrong as well and then towards the very end pepe should have scored and you know that 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 that, that would have meant a different result uh, so i think portugal have themselves to blame as well it's not that they did not create the chances they had the chances they did not take those chances and uh, as far as uh, cristiano ronaldo is concerned i think there there are definitely like two sets of supporters the ones who want portugal to play with ronaldo at all costs because it's cristiano ronaldo and then there's there's this other set of supporters who feel that you know uh, with cristiano ronaldo portugal have to adapt to a different style of play they don't press as much uh, he came on in the 58th minute and again again like i think he had a really good chance to um, to score as well which he did not take and i think uh, a much younger ronaldo would have finished that chance uh, what i did not like about the the end of the game was pepe actually having a go at the referee like you had so many chances to finish the game off you had so many chances to score but like uh, and and uh, you still have a go at the referee and you say that okay you have been giving too many free kicks you should have given yellow cards to xyz person bruno fernandes deserved a red card in that game and the referee did not they did not give that red card to him so from for what i know i don't think it's a referee thing i think rocco really deserved it that's the end of uh, the portugal story probably for cristiano ronaldo as ashwin said we'll have to wait and see what their next steps are um, they do have a lot of attacking talent that they can count on but uh, moving to another team which has a lot of attacking talent we've talked quite a lot about how southgate is probably not the correct person to be in charge of the english setup with the talents that they have and the style of management that he had but i've been personally pleasantly surprised by what uh, they've done in this tournament they 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 took uh, the chances that they had uh, they've they've been on their game they took the fight to france as well we've often leveled uh, an accusation against england that they've 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 had easy draws they've had uh, lesser opponents and as soon as they end up meeting someone uh, worthwhile they they just lose uh, pretty comfortably this wasn't that game yeah i think i, I was like like you mentioned swag i was really pleasantly surprised with this version of england uh, uh, when we did the world cup preview we were all saying that oh england has such a great team but they have such a poor manager and he'll uh you know make us go through the boring game that we have been used to uh used to uh from them but they were very refreshing like uh, even um even in the group stages i think apart from the england us game uh there were some really nice passage of play uh in the games that they played uh they, they scored six goals against iran and then the game against wales uh you know uh the partnership that foden developed with uh you know other english players was there to see so there was a really good cohesion in the squad and it showed on the field as well uh talking of this game particularly i think england probably did not deserve to lose the game uh there there was a stage where england were clearly on top uh and uh, of course like harry kane ultimately missed the penalty but despite that i felt that uh, there were ch- other chances as well that they could have taken i think harry maguire had a Uh, forced out a very decent save from uh, Hugo Lloris as well, and uh, um, and and right towards the very end, the Rashford free kick, like it was inches, just inches wide. So I mean, they had loads of chances. Uh, chances, sorry. Uh, they, if you look at the if you look at the stats from the game as well, England had 16 shots on target, which is double of what France had. But France were just, I mean, France were just too good. Like they they have this knack of shifting gears when it matters the most. so when the giroud goal actually went in i i was i was a bit surprised that france had taken the lead uh so i i talk about uh, you know the jose mourinho heritage i think france bring in their heritage with them but i mean i'm i'm uh, this was the second team that i was supporting after portugal and uh, for me it was it was uh, quite frustrating to see like both the teams that i support go out on the on the same night so uh but yeah i'm i'm, I'm i was i was very pleasantly surprised with it 
Yeah, I think uh, um, more of the same in the penalty drama uh, kind of situation. But overall, I leave the World Cup more positively inclined to England than when I started. I think when we did the previews, I talked about how um, Bellingham, Foden and Saka, these are going to be critical to the way that I view England. And that's ended up happening. I think they've had a really positive influence on England. They've become severely more watchable. Uh, just thanks to their own individual skills and talents. Uh, so I, I'm I'm actually quite bullish about the future of this English team. I think get a new manager, uh, one with slightly more, better tact- tactical acumen and, and has an ability to bring out the best of players from an attacking style as well. And I think in the next four to six years, we could be talking about um, uh, England winning something at the, at the international stage. But... As of now, I think they are far away from the top teams like France because, uh, I mean, France, I, I, we were talking about it after the France game, like who do you think are the favourites in the World Cup? And for me, it is France and they have the edge over Argentina because they can hit you in so many different angles. They can hit you with like uh, yeah, with just pure individual talent like we saw from Chouamini with an outstanding goal and we saw in the past from Mbappe. They can bomb down the wings with Dembele and Mbappe and roast you. They can hit you with a long ball, with a set piece, with the likes of Giroud and their centre-backs. I think they've got everything. Uh, they're a more complete team than Argentina and I think they also have the experience of having won this cup just just four years ago. So they have a lot going for them and kudos to Giroud. He's, he is the most underrated player. Uh, player in the world right now he's he's really taken on the mantle of leading this lineup after Benzema got injured let's not forget he he was my shot for shout for the golden boot so let's see what happens in the next couple of games maybe maybe he gets there so this is the first time i came to know that ashwin has england as a second team you know didn't know that till today and it was a bit reminiscent of you know euros when we were watching and suddenly when england uh, beat denmark you know four or five people came out of the closet saying that they are England fans and they want them to win. Uh, Ashwin did it after England lost, which is still fair play. Uh, but just a bit of a tactical, you know, I wanted to talk about what Southgate did. So I, I was, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised, but I was surprised that England went in with a 4-3-3 uh, in formation. But, on, uh, but in the actual field, it was very interesting, you know, how they kind of negated Mbappe. I thought Mbappe had a few great moments, especially on the first goal where he attracted so many defenders and he created space for Shuamini. And then there was a brilliant, you know, sprint race with uh, Walker in the second half. But other than these two moments, I think he was fairly quiet and a lot of credit goes to how England did it. So, uh, you know, off the ball, Saka was almost becoming like a wingback and supporting Walker and, you know, double teaming up on Mbappe. So the question was, on the ball, how would they ensure that Saka got some support? What was happening was that Henderson was kind of reprising what he had done sometime earlier with Liverpool and trying to support Saka on the outside. The only problem with that plan was that Henderson had an off game. Things didn't come off for him. I would attribute that to our jinx. I think we talked a bit good about him in the previous episode and he had a bit of an off game in this one. Uh, But I think finally the game was decided by the two Harrys. Uh, I think... That Harry, uh, uh, you know, Kane penalty is still somewhere in outer space meeting some of the other great penalties taken in recent years. And Maguire also, you know, turned the game. He he always keeps winning headers but unable to convert those headers. And he was, for me, at fault on the, uh, uh, like, on the Giroud goal as well. He should have marked him better and probably won that, uh, won that cross as well. Yeah, so on Henderson, I think we did talk about also that we're not sure whether he can go multiple games in a week, especially coming out of an injury. I think that was a error in the from from Southgate as well. Perhaps he was not somebody that they should have gone for two games in a row. Um, but yeah, overall, I think positive signs uh, for England. They've not really uh, won me over. I'm not going to come out and say I'm an England fan or anything of that sort. But going forward, I think if I can't wait to see more of Jude Bellingham. Uh, so he's going. He's somebody in the next few tournaments. I'm I'm sure is going to light the world on fire. He already has in my eyes in this in this World Cup. Uh, and I'm again disappointed with Southgate on not using Rashford enough. And after he had a blinder of a game, perhaps Rashford could have been used more 
to get that kind of direct approach against teams which are uh, which are supposed supposedly better than you um, disappointed to see uh, lack of that and also let's not forget raheem sterling also is a big miss for them uh, he hasn't been great but he is an important part of that team as well so overall i think some positives for england even though their performance was less than the last two major tournaments that they've had So is it the end of the Southgate era, or does he get another chance? I think the end of the Southgate era was like four years ago, and and, and it's just way too long. This guy needs to be packed off. He's he's shown his inability to ma to ma to manage really talented, skillful players. I, he he brings everybody down to his level, and that's the worst thing you can do as a manager. So yeah, it's time for him to get out and I don't know, go go manage in the championship or something. I think there was an interview right after the game, and uh, you know the trend has been for managers to resign after their teams have gone out, right? Uh, and uh, Gareth Southgate said that he'll take some time to think about it, which probably means that he is going to lead England out in the Euros as well. So, rather your wish probably might not come true. Yeah, and uh, quite a lot of players have also come out already. Declan Rice has come out and said that he needs to stay. the The loss wasn't his fault. We've progressed as a team, etc., etc. So we don't know what uh, that's going to I end can, up like. I can I can totally imagine the likes of Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips, uh, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw. You know, all of these guys who are his boys. I'm I'm hundred percent sure that they would not want him to. to leave I, i mean like every central midfielder who who every central defensive midfielder in the in the country would want him to stay as the manager i'm sure but yeah it's uh, times up man this has they have such a incredible squad that they can take on uh, please please i'm 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 pleading with the world please bring bring us a a good footballing manager who has tactical nous and can also tell a footballer what to do when the ball is going forward please I don't know if Radha is a Gareth Southgate hater or a Jadon Sancho fan, but I think the two are kind of interlinked there. Ashwin, you forgot Trent Alexander-Arnold. Come on. <laughs> ah, right. So this is what it is. Okay. <laughs> the Trent Alexander-Arnold. The only positive that I have on Trent is that he gets the rest now. Uh, just been sitting on that bench for the last few weeks. At least we got to meet Beckham and and maybe got inspired by one of the best crossers of the football that we've ever seen. But but yeah, all in all, like a pretty painful tournament for him, I'm sure. Just maybe a certain German individual who has a property in London might be available. He's rejuvenated after his trip to Kerala. Thomas Tuchel might be worthwhile as a shout. I thought he was signing up with Kerala Blasters. I think we need to check this out. Hey, jo- Jose Mourinho is always available. Yeah, Mur- Mourinho is Ashwin's go-to person. Like, like whenever we have a quiz and uh, RK can always go to Gascoigne as an answer, Jose is always there, top and center of Ashwin's mind. Whenever it comes to a quote or a point, he's like an H you can't get rid of. So, <laughs> right. So, moving on to the semi-finals now. and uh, let's start with france and morocco i mean these countries have a bit of a history among themselves as well but uh, do we give any chance to morocco we are guilty of probably underplaying their role at every stage but they've confounded everyone and they've kept coming so there's one part which is the head and the other part which is the heart right so like i said earlier i'm all in for morocco and this time for africa and all of that uh let's go with uh, with a big upset i hope in fact croatia versus morocco would be an amazing final uh but yeah i don't think like i also said that france is france are my favorites for this for this world cup so it's going to be really hard i don't think they're going to be able to pull it off they have everything that they have going for them france can also see them and raise them at those things so i think it's going to be extremely difficult and very unlikely i think france are going to comfortably move on to the next round and also win this world cup yeah i'm I, i'm going to make the bold prediction and say that morocco might actually do it uh, like if you look at the game plan it's it, they stick to it like i said earlier as well um, they are defensively really organized uh they have an incredible goalkeeper in bono so he he should be able to keep out the french attacking force to to an extent i know france are really strong they 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 know how to shift to the next gear when it matters the most but having said that i mean you know some incredible things have happened in this world cup uh, uh there's this like like the they have the backing of the whole of the you know the arabian region as well so passions will be running strong 
there. Uh, so I'm going to make the bold prediction that Morocco are going to go and do the unthinkable and beat France and reach the finals. I think for me, it, it seems like uh, the Croatia-France final we had in 2018, where uh, quite a lot of us were probably rooting for Croatia as as the rank outsiders. And they, they showed desire, they showed spirit, but uh, France's capabilities were just too much to counter for them. And I think that's what's probably going to end up happening here as well. I think uh, the likes of Mbappe and Dembele will have too much for the Moroccan defence. Though I'm, there's just, as Radha you said, there's just that heart bit which keeps thinking maybe, just maybe Morocco can go one step further. I mean, if they go one more step, then they're in the final and just 90 minutes from lifting the cup. But uh, yeah, seems really unlikely. Yeah, I think a couple of individual battles to look out for. I, I don't know whether Mazarawi is going to be available for this game. Um, I, he missed the previous game. But Hakimi is their, one of their major players from an attacking sense as well. And uh, he's going to have to deal with Mbappe. I think that's going to really uh, um, reduce his influence in the game and is going to keep him looking backwards rather than forwards. Uh, I don't think that's going to help um, Morocco. And on the other side, I think Usman Dembele is yet is is due a big one. So I think if he's uh, if Mazraoui is not available, I think he's going to have some joy against the the uh, the, the replacement. I think that was. Uh, Allah, I think was his Ati, name. So I think, um, yeah, I think he's going to have a really tough time against uh, Dembele. And the other one, Amrabat, was was has been one of their standout players in this uh, in this tournament at in midfield. And I think um, Griezmann likes to move around um, laterally as well from left to right and not just stay in that center. So I think he's going to have a really critical role. So that battle is going to be uh, a really critical as well I but looking at just saying these names out I'm getting the feeling that it's going to go only one way and that's to France because these one-on-one battles as well seem a little like lopsided to me yeah and also the fact that quite a lot of them ended the game being taken off due to injuries or niggles so we're not very sure of uh, who's going to be fit for the game as well for, from the Moroccan side so the other semi-final is going to be Argentina versus Croatia two more established teams here probably a more even matchup uh, two teams who can play dark defensive football as well but when need be they can switch it on will Croatia still have the energy left after 220 min- minute games in the knockouts to go up against an Argentinian team who's ready for it who's up for it I think I think Argentina and Croatia are probably two of the most more boring teams that are uh, that are played in this World Cup so it's, I'm not I'm probably more excited about the Morocco-France game than the Argentina-Croatia game. Even though, like, when it comes to the giants of the football games, probably Croatia, uh, sorry, Argentina and Croatia more so in recent times are, are the giants that, that we associate with. I really want Messi and Co. to reach the finals. And uh, I think it will be a really good send-off for one of the greatest players that we have seen ever. Uh, but that being said, like... Even in the group stages and, you know, at the in the round of 16 stages and the quarterfinals, I haven't been so impressed with Argentina, right? So, uh, so I'm, I'm not sure where exactly the goals might come from. Uh, I, I feel that this, is, this, this, this particular game is something that might go into extra time again. I mean, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, I, th- I think that the, the two teams are probably too evenly matched for us to really predict a clear winner. Yeah, I think see this one is going to be a little more complicated than I think the Morocco France one because uh, Argentina are going to play in a similar pace to which Croatia would enjoy. I think they went to a back 3 or a back 5 in this last game Argentina. I w- I wonder if they may switch switch to a back 4 for this game. I don't think they need as many people um, in their back line to manage uh, Croatia compared to say the Netherlands so that would be a critical one I think that will also influence how the midfield battles are won Uh, they have one of the strongest midfields in the tournament although we haven't been talking about them much their midfield of Rodrigo de Paul McAllister and Enzo have been uh, they've been one of the best three and we all know that Croatia is all about that midfield as well so that midfield battle is something I'm really looking forward to I wonder if they will also see a change in formation 
um argentina's pace of play i think will decide how this game goes because um lovren and guardiol they've had moments of uh, really great play but they have also conceded quite a few chances all through the tournament so if they need if they put them under a bit of pressure what we were you know screaming out for brazil to do i think this should be a comfortable argentina win as well but it's all about whether they are able to uh, execute that plan like what what croatia did really well is hog the ball and bring the pace down to what they wanted if they can do something similar early on against argentina then i think they may it may become a let's look for messi to do some magic kind of situation which is what croatia would want from the game it seems to hinge on messi he has to either create something or do something by himself uh... So if Modric and the likes can keep him a bit quieter, uh, it might just become that uh, Argentina get frustrated and Croatia can hit them on on the counter. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I don't see Croatia as a team that can really hurt you on the counter. Um, it's uh, against Brazil. It was just a it was pure dumb luck that they actually got that goal. So I don't really see how they're going to hurt Argentina. But uh, the only way, perhaps, like. through a set piece or something of that sort but i'm not really confident about um, uh, their build up play generating enough chances to score a goal in open play so that's uh, that's where i have argentina having having a better chance than um, a better chance of uh, going through the only thing it remains if if they keep it to nil nil by controlling the midfield and controlling the game space that's i think their best chance and what i think they will try to do as well in this game so i don't expect it to be one for the for the uh, football fans to enjoy but uh, it should be a close game okay so we we'll have to wait and find out uh, how this one goes uh, but i think we are calling for an argentina france final this way and uh, a chance for both of no, these I, argentina morocco for me <laughs> Morocco, Morocco, Croatia. If we're if we're calling for things, let's call. I mean, Morocco, Croatia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, for for our hearts, I think it's going to be Croatia versus Morocco. Both of them looking for their first victory, but uh, the head says Argentina versus France to go and look for their third titles. But uh, I thought the heart said. I thought the heart said Messi. No. <laughs> <laughs> every every quadrant of the heart is in a different direction i think at the moment yeah. everybody is super confused about which direction to to, to go and let me, let me let me read i think a, a, a france argentina final will be epic i think messi yeah. versus mbappe also given some of the psg antics that have been yeah, happening this yeah. season is going to be great and let's say okay as a consolation morocco win the third place mbappe versus messi the two players from psg which is the qatar club showcasing the final in qatar seems like it was written anyway i i i wonder i wonder what a former psg manager mauricio pochettino has to say about that i i think i'll i'll have to quote what some of our friends on our group say in subfixed <laughs> yes indeed and on that note listener on that bombshell we leave you and uh, we'll touch base with you again after the semi finals and we'll uh, bring you the analysis of the semi final and we'll look forward to the final and the third place playoff which hopefully morocco don't have to play but we shall see see you soon bye